the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm so glad you could be here with me today. Well, um... Let me verify. Yeah, today is January the 1st, 2019. Can you believe that? Oh, man. <clears throat> it is just time is flying by. Well, I'm uh, recording my uh, lesson for Sunday morning. Uh, this is going to be my Christmas lesson. So um, I, I know you're probably thinking, but it's New Year's, Chris. Where's your New Year's lesson? Well, I, I don't have one this year. I've been sick. You can probably still hear it in my voice. And so I'm just going to do my Christmas lesson. I apologize. And uh, if you were looking forward to a New Year lesson, I will have one for you next week. Okay? And we'll be getting into the news and doing more discussion lessons on here in the near future. This lesson comes from Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 7. But I want to start off with this story. It is a, about a Sunday school that put on a little Christmas show, impromptu Christmas show, and the teachers uh, would read the story and they provided, or read the story, they provided some props, and then they just stood back and let the kids dramatize the story on their own. One girl grabbed the doll and said, I'll be Mary. A boy shouted, I'm going to be Joseph. Some of them put on bathrobes and said they'd be the shepherds. And everyone was either a lamb or a wise man or an angel or something. But one little girl had no part. And she said, I'll be the doctor who delivers the baby Jesus. So they all took their places. Mary had a pillow under her shirt as Joseph led her before the apparently mean innkeeper who sent them away. And when the time came, the doctor took the doll from Mary's pillow. She held it up. Joseph, wanting to act like a new papa, said, What is it, Doc? The little doctor girl said, Why, it's a god. (laughs) And I think that's cute. A little girl holds up a baby Jesus doll and makes a declaration that this is God. And apparently, what the prophet, that's apparently what the prophet Isaiah did as well. Oh, excuse me. When Matthew wrote, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. 
Isaiah 7.14, that's where this quote comes from, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. So, about 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah held up a sign, and that sign said, there would be a baby born of a virgin, and he would be Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew wasn't the only one who pointed to that sign and talked about it in the Gospels. Luke did also in Luke 2, 10 and 12. When the uh, angel said to, to them, uh, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. The angel basically held up a sign and said, Look at the baby. When you see the baby, you'll be looking at the Christ, the Savior. You'll be looking at God. Of course, the question is, what was it about the virgin birth in the manger that was the sign that we needed to see? This sign is obviously important. God said it was a sign. The angels said it was a sign. So, what was it that made this sign so important to us? Well, number one, the virgin was part of the sign. Just to drive this point home, when the angel tells Mary she she was about to have a child, we're told that there in Luke one thirty four, Mary said to the angel, "How will this be, since I am a virgin?" She'd never been intimate with a man, but now she's going to be pregnant. Now, I took biology when I was in school, and I'm pretty sure that's not how it's supposed to happen. But it did happen. And this time, it happened because God made it happen. And it happened because God said he was going to make this happen. Way back in the book of Genesis, we find Satan has tempted Eve with that fruit. And God tells Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now note that God told Satan that the offspring of the woman was going to bruise his head. That is, this child of a woman was going to give Satan a mortal wound, uh, from which he was never going to recover. Now, why would God say this was going to be the offspring of a woman, right? When we know it takes a male and a female, it takes two. And, but even back then, it's always the man's been the forefront. The man's first in the household. He's the leader. He's the head of the house. Why would he phrase it like that? Born of a woman. Hmm. This time... This birth is only going to be the offspring of one, the woman. When the angel appeared to Joseph, uh, he said, because 
Joseph had been considering leaving or sending Mary away because he thought she she had been with another man. He'd been considering it, so an angel appeared of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God the Father is the Father, is what the angel is saying. And this was hinted at way back in Genesis. It was hinted at that way back in the book of Isaiah, and now boldly declared in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. This virgin was going to give birth to a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary was told by the angel that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of of God. In other words, it's a miraculous event. That's what the angel and God say when they say the Holy Spirit. They're not talking about the third person of the Godhead. God's power is going to come upon you and make this happen because it's going to happen through unnatural means. Therefore, it's a miracle. It's the power of God. But why? Why would God do it this way? Why have this child be born of a mortal woman and an immortal God? Well, here's why. The Bible teaches us that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It also teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Sin had to be paid for, so throughout the Old Testament, God's people were taught that a flawless sacrifice was needed to pay the, pro- pay the price for their sins. The law called for repeated animal sacrifices, but everybody knew the blood of animals really did not fix the problem. What was needed was a perfect someone who would willingly die for our sins. But no mortal man could be found that was sinless enough, (laughs) that was sinless, to die in our place. In Isaiah 59, we're told, and he, that's that's God, and he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. That's Isaiah fifty nine sixteen and 17. Only God could be perfect sinless, and pure enough to be our perfect sacrifice. But there was a problem. By definition, an immortal God cannot die. God could not become our sacrifice because a sacrifice has to die. He would have to become human 
in order to die. So, God decided from the days of Adam and Eve that he would personally pay the price for sins. And of course, that meant he had to become mortal. That's why Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8 says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's why the rest of the sign mentioned in Isaiah is that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. In that one word, God declared that this child was God in the flesh. Now that's such an important doctrine that you'd think it would be obvious to all Christian leaders uh, everywhere, right? You know, then just a kind of a excursus here. That's what I, that's what doctrine is. Sometimes you may hear me talk about uh, doctrine and that we can disagree on many things, but we cannot disagree on doctrine. I'm talking about if you want to have unity, we can't disagree on doctrine. Because unity is something that we cannot make happen. Unity happens when we are in agreement on something, that we're doing the same thing. And um, sorry, i got to keep drinking my hot coffee to help my throat. <clears> throat> And so what I'm saying here is this, this the, uh, the teachings on the virgin birth, this is doctrine. We have to agree on this. If you do not believe that the child was born to a virgin, then we, we've got issue. That, that's doctrine there. We cannot disagree on that. God made this prophecy. He made it pretty clear, pretty obvious. And, most, and all, if not mo, most, if not all, doctrine is pretty clear and obvious. And so you can't disagree on, on these things. This is the, and this is doctrine here. So you'd think all Christian leaders would accept it. But back in 1961, a magazine called Red Book, if you remember that, that was a, a ladies' magazine, hired one of their top pollsters, uh, or one of the top pollsters in the nation, to survey students at seminaries who were supposedly preparing for Christian service and denominations. They found that 56% of these students rejected the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. More than half of these guys who were going to be the preachers in these denominational congregations, they didn't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. When I first became a Christian, and I, uh, I mean, I had been around the Bible, I'd heard about it, but I never really paid much attention until my brother Jason got me thinking. You know how that happened was, uh, I was uh, attending a, um, I know I don't usually like to use 
names and denominations, but I was going to the Oak Park Baptist Church, Jeffersonville, Indiana. And I was attending there only because I wanted they played basketball. A lot of the guys here played basketball. I wanted to play basketball. I don't think I ever listened to a single sermon in that place. My brother Jason told me one day, he said, Chris, why do you go there? I said, well, you know, because of the Bible. You know, I try to come up, try, I couldn't remember anything that preachers had never listened. And I just said, whatever. He says, Chris, they don't even believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. I said, oh, of course they do, Jason. They're Baptists, or we're Baptists. And I thought that was silly. And so when I inquired of the preacher and found out they don't believe in that, I read the Bible. I started putting things together. I started reading. And then I was shocked to hear or find out that, you know, a lot of churches didn't believe as what I read in the Bible. I thought, well, that can't be right. So I did my own little background chart or uh, polling. I interviewed Catholics, Episcopalians, Methodists, Baptists, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, anybody who'd who'd take my phone call or let me come by to see them, or they would come by and see me. And I had a whole list of questions. I was curious about what is doctrine and what, what what do people believe about doctrine, about the Bible and about Jesus. And I couldn't believe that half of the folks that I talked to did not believe that they could trust their Bibles 100%. And that about 25% of them rejected the virgin birth. And this was back uh, in the, uh, uh, well, it was a long, long time ago. But anyway, I just, it was dumbfounding to me. One of the preachers in our brotherhood, <coughs> excuse me, in our brotherhood, told at a time when his dad was preaching in Joliet, Illinois. There was a woman and her child who began attending their services. They were attending a denomination in town where the youth minister told them strongly, apparently, that the virgin birth was a myth in the Christian legend. Never really happened. And he stated that it was a pointless, quote, miracle with no basis other than wishful thinking and oral tradition. Unbelievable. So the lady, of being offended, she went to the senior minister to complain. And, of course, he was kinder about it. And he kept trying to ease her into their way of thinking. When it was becoming apparent that she wasn't going to bend, he asked her, Why does this matter so much to you? She said, Because the Bible teaches it. And that was it. She left. Her answer was entirely correct. If the Bible teaches something, we need to believe it. Even if we don't fully understand it. Now, we need to understand. I think things are written in there in a way so that we can understand. But we need to believe our Bibles. Now, I'm rarely satisfied with simply knowing what God says. I, I like to find out why does he say this. And I've always been a little like a child who always goes around asking, why? Well, do this. Why? Do that. Well, I will, but why? <laughs> I want to understand. 
I accept that the, this idea of the virgin birth was important to God. Just like to understand why is this important? Why is it important? Because it was the sign God gave us of who Jesus was. As Isaiah said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin birth pointed to the fact that Jesus was indeed God in the flesh. This is why Christmas is a real valuable tool for us. I, I, I sometimes get folks who tell me, say, Chris, why do you ever bring it up, Christmas? You know, we don't want to have Christmas songs. I'm, I'm okay with that. No Christmas song singing here at the North Valley Congregation during this time. Because this, uh, and you know what, let me, let me get into a few things. Well, you, you know what, yeah, was Jesus born on December 25th? No, he wasn't. I think most people know that now. We we know it was in the springtime, summertime, somewhere around there. And I know a lot of preachers probably get a little tired of doing Christmas sermons every year. I don't do them every year. I, I, maybe every other year or every three years I might do a Christmas sermon. But the birth of Christ, of the Virgin, was the sign of who Jesus was. And it is a great evangelistic tool. This is why it's important to me. I, when I celebrate Christmas, I don't celebrate the birth of Christ. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't teach my kids that. I teach them about giving. I teach them about being thankful. It's kind of like a, an extended Thanksgiving day in my mind. I want them to understand these things. But here's why I see this as a great evangelistic tool. About three years ago, Pew Research did a survey of Americans' attitudes toward Christmas. Now, this was only three years ago, 2015. Okay? All right, here's the, the research. Uh, about nearly all Christians, professed Christians, 9 out of 10 in America, said they celebrated Christmas. Surprisingly, a majority, a large majority of non-Christians, 81%, also celebrated Christmas. That included 87% of people with no religion and even about three-quarters of the Asian American Buddhists and Hindus. Among Americans overall, about one-half said they celebrated Christmas as a religious holiday. 50%. Number four. Americans largely believe that elements of the traditional Christmas story reflect actual historical events. More than 7 in 10 say that Jesus was born to a virgin. Even if they don't, even they only see that as a, a myth, but they believe it. They believe that's part of the, the Christmas story. 81% believe he was laid in a manger. Similarly, they say that the wise men were guided by a star, brought Jesus, and they brought Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 75% say that an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. And nearly two-thirds of the U.S. adults believe that all four of these things actually happened, while 14% say none of them happened. That's amazing! 
How can that many people who are not religious know that much about the birth of Jesus? Tradition. Because of the Christmas holiday. They're thinking about it. You, you just can't tell me that the Christmas holiday is not important. Now, I don't celebrate this holiday season as the one time of year where we think about the Christ. I think about him all the time. But I am going to use this as an opportunity to reach people. You know, Americans believe these things from this because it's, it's kind of like a drumbeat in our society. Over and over again, they heard the story, they listened to the carols as they proclaimed the story of the time when God became man. And that's why those who oppose Christianity, they oppose any public display of the nativity scene. Even they know how important this story is to the gospel of Christ. They, they don't want people thinking about it, so they want to get rid of it. But the story of the baby Jesus only makes a true difference in our lives when you really find him. There's a story I found. It's kind of a silly story, but I'll give it anyway. About a preacher who <clears throat> told about a story where his family, when they were in Israel, they bought a nativity scene uh, there in Israel, brought it home, and it was made of wood, carved out. And when their youngest kid loved the little baby Jesus, and he would carry him around, take, take him out of the nativity scene, carry him around the house, they would find him in his pocket, find it you know, amongst the toys, the action figures, whatnot. But one day, they, they couldn't find it. It was lost. They had lost Jesus. And it was almost humorous as they were telling people, yeah, the preacher lost Jesus. Can't find him anymore. Can't find Jesus. And one day, the preacher was there on the floor with his son playing. When he looked over and he saw under the couch, he found Jesus. And he noted to himself, you know, it, it took for me to get down on my knees to find the Lord. And he just kind of said that humorously. But when I saw that, I thought, I thought, yeah, that's right. And a lot of people are looking for an answer to life. A lot of people are looking for, for something better. They've been trying to fill this hole, this gap. And here we are trying to do door-knocking campaigns, maybe doing a radio show, doing all this stuff that we, to try to reach out and tell people a little bit about what the truth is. And here we have Christmas a time of year when everyone's thinking about it. What a great evangelistic opportunity we have to help people find the truth, to find Christ, to find that missing piece in their life. Let us make the most of every opportunity, even Christmas, and think about that next year or this new year as Christmas rolls around in December. Thank you. I love you. And God loves you too. Happy New Year. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.